Amen. Thank you, John. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Micah, the book of Micah. One of the minor prophets as we continue in our series, Return, that is across all of our campuses here at Lindsay Lane. As Heath Haney and Alan Ostrisky are leading their congregations at East and North, respectively, through uh, the book of Micah today and the minor prophets and the rest of uh, our, our Sundays in the, book, in the month of February. Uh, before we begin, I just want to uh, encourage you. I am thankful for our trip to uh, Alaska. It's good to be back, but it was uh, certainly a, a blessing to go and um, to be sent and to be supported by, by all of you, the church here. And uh, we were able to carry out a, a marriage conference uh, there across a couple of days to um, provide a date night for the families there that were, uh, had children. And, we, uh, and of course, we had Sunday service with them. And uh, I want to encourage you and just thank you for being here this morning. It's cold. It's raining. You could have been anywhere else. Uh, I welcome those in online that are watching this online or will watch this online. I hear uh, people all the time that are just uh, like, man, we got to catch you online. We weren't in town or we're not able to be there. So-and-so was sick. And so we got to catch you online. And so we have a group of people that watch us every Sunday online. And so we're thankful for that resource. I'll tell you, when you, when you go to Alaska in a place like that, and, uh, and you wake up on Sunday morning and there's however many feet of snow and the parking lot of the church is covered in snow and the pastor's there pushing snow around so the people can come and it's still snowing about church time and all of a sudden cars start pulling in the parking lot, parking in the snow, just one by one by one, which is a very cool picture that I took. That probably sounds weird that I took a picture of cars lined up in the snow in the parking lot. Um, but it's just a reminder of me that... Uh, Man, it takes excuses away. I'll just tell you that. It takes excuses away for, for uh, and maybe it's a little bit different here. They probably say, yeah, you guys, you're, um, your folks go and it's thunderstorm and tornado sirens. And yeah, we actually do that. Uh, but uh, man, it was, it was such a good trip and uh, we were encouraged by them. <clears throat> but part of the reason we were there was to encourage a young church, a growing church, encourage their young families in their marriages and um, to, to show them a group of people from Alabama that would, would leave for a week and go on mission to serve and to preach the gospel and to serve the community and to minister to shut-ins and to children. And, and so we, we thank God for the culture of missions that's here at our church and pray that you'll consider being a part of a mission trip very soon. In Micah, God was and is always faithful to keep his promises. God is faithful. We, we just sang about that. It should not wash over us without us giving great thought to his faithfulness in our life. In Genesis chapter 12, when God called together a people for himself, he delivered on every promise that he made to them. He multiplied Abraham's descendants. He made Israel a great nation. He led them out of captivity. He led them to the promised land. He established a dynasty of kings. All the promises that he made to his people in the Old Testament, he has kept. And all the promises that he makes to us of salvation, he will keep. But God is not one of those fathers who thinks that everything their children do is great, even if it's not. He's not one of those dads that told those people in American Idol that can't sing for a lick that they were awesome when they went up there to sing. That's, that's not the kind of God that we serve. He's an honest God. He's a God of truth and a God of grace and as God was laying out the law for his people in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he promised Israel blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. That's what God told his people up front. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, God desiring to bless his people says, if you will, but Israel would not. 
One pastor said, difficulties lie not in the Lord. All things are ready with him, but men are unwilling. Oftentimes we are missing the blessings. We, we are missing the opportunities. We are missing the encouragement rather than the challenge because we are out of step with God's will and God's way. The prophet Micah is addressing this divided and rebellious people. The people of God at this point in history were split into two kingdoms. You had Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and the pattern of ungodliness and idolatry just spiraled downward throughout the history of God's people. And God's own people began to act like God's own enemy. And because God, because he is just, he does not let sin go on forever and ever. Whatsoever a man shall reap, he shall sow, or whichever man shall sow, he shall reap. And also God, because he's love, he does not stay angry forever. Somebody say amen to that. Because God is just, he doesn't let sin just carry on forever. Because God is love, he does not stay angry forever with his people. And he gave a message on all of this to deliver to his people at this place in time through the prophet Micah. And the message of of God through the prophet Micah is one of those that goes back and forth. If you read through this small book of the Bible, it goes back and forth between judgment and compassion, wrath and faithfulness. All of this wrapped up together and the contents of this prophecy to Israel is gonna be a challenge to us in this sanctuary here today. Because while Micah is not a book of the Bible that was written to us, it is a book of the Bible that is written for us. All of them are, amen? Lord, we just ask God that you guide us into all truth today. Father, whatever it is we've got to get to after this is over, whatever it is that is blocking up our heart and our mind right now, break it down, Lord, so that we would hear from you, from your word clearly. And Spirit of God, would you make it plain the truth that we need to hear today from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. What we'll look at today through this book are the problems of the people. And we'll also look at the plans of God. Micah consistently points out to the people that the problems of their nation, the problems of God's people began here in this context with their leaders. Leaders were abusing their power. As you read throughout Micah, you'll find that. Micah chapter two, verses one through two, I'll take you there. Micah two, one through two says, what sorrow awaits you who lie awake at night thinking up evil plans? You rise at dawn and hurry up to carry them out simply because you have the power to do so. When you want a piece of land, you find a way to seize it. When you want someone's house, you take it by fraud and violence. You cheat a man of his property, stealing his family's inheritance. Y'all listen to me. Authority is like money. Money is immoral, meaning it's neither right or wrong. But in the hands of of sinful and selfish desire, money is a problem. Authority is the same. When authority becomes more about what a leader wants rather than what the people need, authority becomes a problem. In 1 Kings chapter 21, 1 Kings chapter 21, King Ahab of Samaria, the Bible says, the king of, of God's people made an offer to a man named Naboth. Naboth was his neighbor, so to speak. He had a vineyard that was right up against where the king was residing. And he went to Naboth and he said, your vineyard is so convenient to my place. I want to buy it from you. 
I'll buy your vineyard as it relates to where I'm living and I'll give you top dollar for it. Or if you don't want that, I will trade a better vineyard than yours for yours because it's right here by me. And Naboth in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse three replied, he said, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down to my ancestors. You can't have it. It means more to me sentimentally because of who gave it to me and passed it down. So there's no dollar amount that I would take for it. King Ahab went home and he was distraught and he went back to his wife and he's, like most of us do, he's talking it through with his spouse and telling her how he's not gonna be able to get that vineyard that he wants even though it's right beside where they are living. And his wife said to him, her name was Jezebel, by the way, his wife said, are you the king of Israel or not? And so from that, she created a ruse and basically she set it up to where Naboth thought that he was being honored by the kingdom. Naboth sat in front of a group of folks that basically twisted a story around on him that Naboth has blasphemed God, that he's cursed God. So Naboth, in his innocence, unjustifiably was dragged out from beneath that table, thrown into the street and stoned to death. And King Ahab, a king representing the Lord our God, rather than calling his wife out for what she had complicated and for what she had manipulated, King Ahab said, well, I guess his land's mine now. And he took the land from that family. But listen, I think this is all we need to hear today, beginning with me. He did not get away with it. God called him out through the prophet Elijah and Ahab, particularly his family. Ahab was repentant. You can go back and read that in 1 Kings 21. But God called him out and his family after him faced judgment because he was leading the people of God away from the example of God. He was leading the people of God away from the holiness of God. Many in here today, many in here today hold authority in one way or another. You have a title, you have a task, you have a responsibility. People are under your leadership and resources are at your discretion. In a word for all of us who would hold that, let me just say, careful, careful. The more that a leader gives thought to what he wants rather than what people need, and the more we dismiss what is right for all involved for what is pleasing unto me, we position ourselves for judgment unto God instead of the blessing that he wants to give. And those that we influence when we get selfish suffer the consequence. And I might also add, listen to this, leaders who abuse power set up future leaders who don't abuse power for the distrust of their people. Abuses of power is the problem to begin with here in Micah and abuses of power are abuses of people. That's the second problem. Micah chapter three, verses nine through 11. Abuses of power, abuses of people. Verse nine, listen to me, you leaders of Israel. You hate justice and you twist up all that is right. You are building Jerusalem on a foundation of murder and corruption. You rulers make decisions based on bribes. You priests teach God's laws only for a price. You won't prophesy unless you are paid, yet all of you claim to depend on the Lord. No harm can come to us, you say, for the Lord is here among us. Among you? Well, what about all the people that were killed by your leadership? What about all the people that were cheated, who are, who are now broke? 
What about all the people who have an improper view of God, a distorted view of authority, and now a faith in God because of you? Because of the irresponsibility of leadership, the abuses of power that are now abuses of people. Even the prophets of God, no longer was it about a compelling that God had called them to, to preach the truth of his word, but now it was just about selfish gain. What do I get? And examples like that remind me and everybody in here that nobody is above selfishness, that we can all get there. And one leader said the following, when authority is perverted, those without power are devoured. And I might add, when authority is perverted, those are, who follow that leader are led astray. Leaders have a responsibility to social justice. You cannot read the book of Micah and come away with a different conclusion. Read all your favorite commentaries and they're going to tell you the same thing. Don't let culture tell you that social justice is a bad wording. If you have a negative connotation of social justice, it's because of the culture, not because of Jesus and his word. Social justice is not without standards. Let me make that clear as well. Social justice is not without standards, but it is a simple call for treating people right. It's the call for treating people fair. And God's word is for that as it guides us through that in Micah. And listen to this principle in balance. Please hear this. We should not assume the abuse of power for those who have it. And we should not also excuse the abuse of power for those who misuse it. If the truth is in balance. And as we said before, when authority is perverted, people are led astray. And when the leaders abuse power, they abuse people. And the people follow suit. You know, when we stand before God, you're not going to be able to drag your least favorite politician with you and go, I did this because of them. They're not going to be there. It's just going to be you. Families, when we stand before God, you can't drag your spouse in with you. It's just going to be you. We, at a certain point, are responsible for our actions, our responses the consequences belong to us. No longer can we blame anyone else. We need to man up and woman up and take responsibility for it because it's ours. So when you get to this place here in Micah chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, the leaders have gone astray and their abuses have abused people. But now God is holding the whole nation accountable. Everybody. Micah chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says, Yet to this very hour, my people... Not leaders, not prophets, but all of y'all. Y'all was introduced this week to Alaska, the past week. They say, you guys, that's foreign language to us. We don't talk like that. Now, many of you that are coming in from other states, you are also learning this language. Y'all and you guys are synonymous. But God is saying all of y'all are responsible. Every single one of you. In fact, chapter 1, verse 5 says, the sins of the whole nation goes on to say in chapter two, rise against me like an enemy. You steal the shirts right off the backs of those who trusted you. You make them as ragged as men returning from battle. You're, you're hurting people. You're running people down. You're taking from people to build yourself up. You have evicted women from their pleasant homes and forever stripped their children of all that God would give them. And God says, up, be gone. This is no longer your land, no longer your home. For you have filled it with sin and ruined it completely. 
a sure sign of unholy, unhealthy culture. Now, I'm going to stop right there and backtrack. If you are a leader of an organization, a group of people of any kind, there is a culture within that organization. There is a culture in your home. There is a culture in your business. There's a culture in your team and your classroom and all of the above in your church and the group that you lead at church. There is a culture and a sure sign of an unhealthy, unholy culture is when truth ceases to be told. And truth was watered down from the top down here in Micah, but the whole nation had filled the land with sin because the leaders were not upholding the holy standard of God and because they began to worship idols and cheat people for selfish gain that was filtering out into the communities and throughout the nation. And when people are comfortable in their transgressions, listen, they don't want to hear the truth. Again, we say this all the time. That's the reason why some folks are not here today because they know what's going to happen when they get here. It doesn't matter what I preach. The Spirit of God is going to give them the truth about what's going on in their life. And when you are comfortable in your transgressions, when you are comfortable in your sin, the last thing you want to do is be told the truth about how it should be a different way. The whole nation had filled the land with sin. They didn't want to hear anything to counter or challenge their ways. Now listen, they didn't want anything to go against the way that they were feeling, yet they still wanted to go to heaven. They still wanted to be right with God, even though they were living wrong before him. So what happens is, is when we get comfortable in sin, but we still want to go to heaven, we find a preacher or a book that will match the way that we feel. So we got start seeking on the YouTube, on the YouTube, on YouTube, <laughs> sound like I'm 90 years old. Like it's just been, now I've offended the 90 year old. I apologize. <clears throat> you, uh, you start seeking all of these sources for something that will tell you different, yet it just kind of grafts God in there and it tickles the way that we feel and massages our shoulders. And so we'll go with that because it's got enough of God in it. It'll leave me alone for the stuff I'm going through. An unhealthy culture an unholy culture gets that way because the truth stops being told. Now, chapter 2, verse 11. We've just read chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Let's read together chapter 2, verse 11. Suppose a prophet full of lies would say to you, I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol. That's just the kind of prophet you would like. Now, before we interpret this verse fully, if a verse in scripture offends you like that, if a verse that is in the Bible like that offends you, you should know I did not write it. <laughs> Lindsay Lane has not written this verse of scripture. It was the next verse in line from Micah chapter two, verses eight through 10. If you have a decision to make there in your own heart that God is convicting you of, you take that up with him. But I will say because it's here. Now you've got to understand what God's word is saying here. I'll say it because it's here. If wine and alcohol is your joy, because again, what does it say? I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol. That's just the kind of prophet you would like. If wine and alcohol is your joy, if wine and alcohol is your source of good feeling, if you can't hang out without it, what the scripture teaches here 
is that if you can't go a day without it, you need to be offended by this verse because that's an indication that the good feelings of your life can't be satisfied simply by living and walking in the Holy Spirit. See, that, that verse, chapter 2, verse 11, because, again, no preacher can have a sermon titled The Joys of Wine and Alcohol because there's too much warning in here to do that. Y'all hear me? I'm not trying to argue with you over one thing or another. I'm just telling you what's in here and what it means. That's my job under God. If I stop doing that, I become like one of these guys here in Micah. That verse in chapter 2, verse 11 is about alcohol, but it's not. Hear that. Alcohol is the example that it gives. And it's not casting out all kinds of scenarios and instances. I can't get into that with you. We ain't got that kind of time today. What if it's just this? And what if it's just that? What's being told here is that God's word is saying that when his people become comfortable in their sin, they don't want to hear the truth anymore. So they go find somebody that matches up with their feeling or a false God, an idol that won't tell them the truth. It will just tailor the messages towards the way that they feel. And instead of telling them the truth about what they need to hear, they will give them the feelings message of what they want to feel. And if you are wavering, listen, if you are wavering, if you are reeling, if you are distant, the worst thing you can do is advocate the truth. If you're struggling here today, I'm so glad that you are here struggling. Amen? If you've walked in here and you've got things that are not right in your life and you know it and you don't want anybody else to know it, thank God for you being here because God's got a chance to give you the truth face to face. And you get to hear the justice of God and the love of God and the forgiveness of God that if you came in here one way, you don't have to go out the same and God's discipline will chase you because he loves you. Man, thank God for who he is and his faithfulness. I'm so glad that God has called me out when I've been dead wrong. Or... There have been times in my life when I wasn't wrong, but I was flirting with it. And I was close to it. And I kept getting near the edge like this. And God just kept on and kept on and kept on. And sometimes I stepped off and God would go, let me pull you back up. It's the truth that sets you free. Lies keep you right where you are. Stop lying to yourself. Stop letting other people lie to you about what's right in your life instead of telling you the truth about what's wrong in your life. It's the truth that sets you free. Those are the problems of God's people, the abuse of the leaders, the, the abuse of people, and the unholy culture. But then we get to the plans because this is where the rubber meets the road. And the plans are what God is going to do about it all. And Micah chapter 2, verse 3 says, But this is what the Lord says, I will reward your evil with evil. You won't be able to pull your neck out of the noose. You will no longer walk around proudly, for it will be a terrible time. This is judgment, y'all. This is calamity. This is loss. And that is a part of God's plan for sin. Judgment. Specifically for the people of Israel, foreign invaders Assyria first and then Babylon. They were allowed to divide the land, to conquer the people. They would no longer have this land set aside for them as promised by God. No longer would they have it. They were defeated by an enemy. They were torn from the land God had promised them. And God says, just as you took from others, just as you stole 
from those poor people. Just as you took from those mothers and those children, I'm going to take from you as judgment on the nation that was meant to honor and represent me. Some look at verses like this that say, I will reward your evil with evil. You won't be able to pull your neck out of the noose. Some of those look and say, would God do this? Would God really do that? Would he talk this way? That's just not right. No, it's right. We just don't like it. Consequences for actions is true, is it not? Punishment for wrong actions is right, is it not? You see, we commend a jury that presents a guilty verdict. We commend a judge that decides to administer justice towards those persons or people who are guilty of a serious crime. We just don't like judgment. We don't like judgment as it relates to us and applies to us. We don't like judgment as it relates to God because we only want to consider God as love. Y'all, he is love. If God were not love, he would have just canceled Israel and stomped them right out. The very fact that he would allow them to live for so long is love. That's not what he did. He did not wipe them out. He did not just cancel the culture. He held true to his word and his warning because why? Because he's just. And we should keep in mind, while God told them in Deuteronomy that disobedience would be met with judgment, all of this was never God's plan in the first place. If you are going through a time of suffering because of the consequences of your own sin, that was not God doing that. That was never his plan. God's plan from Genesis to Revelation is to bless. And he blesses obedience. It's always his desire to bless. And that is why in his patience and enduring love, he sent prophets like Micah to warn the people. But they refused to listen. My wife and I, as we, we went to this with this team to Alaska, just returned from the mission trip, we flew from Huntsville to Dallas. We were in Dallas forever. As the snow and ice were there forever. Huntsville to Dallas to Seattle to Alaska. On the way back, we went from Alaska to Seattle to Dallas to Huntsville. On each plane that we were on, a stewardess, a flight attendant, would stand before the occupants, occupants of that plane and they would ex extend an invitation for you to listen to the emergency procedures should there be any. In a sense, they are warning you that if the plane were to have an emergency situation, this is how you should handle it. Each time, each flight, all the way, each step, a representative of the flight would talk us through the exits, right? Somewhere over here. For those of you that remember the movie Tommy Boy, I'm not introducing that, but it was a really funny scene. <laughs> Some over here. Um, they would talk you through the exits. They would talk you through the oxygen mass that would come down out of the ceiling and the inflatable device that each person could use if the plane were to land in a situation where we were surrounded by water. They would put it on their neck. They would show you which tabs to pull. All this is going in for six, what, eight flights, for eight flights, for six flights. Can't remember how many it was now. For all of those flights, every single time they did this, they were dedicated to telling us the truth. After about the third time, I stopped listening. <laughs> Y'all know you do that too. Some of you are like, I don't even listen the first time. 
And I'm telling you, sometimes God gets a hold of me in different ways, and I believe his spirit sometimes wakes me up. But the third time in from Seattle to Alaska, this person's up there giving the, the instructions about emergency procedures. I look around, nobody's listening. They're doing it anyway. And about halfway through, I perk up, and it's like the Lord reminded me, this is how it is. This is how it is. I sent prophets over and over and over and over again to warn of God's judgment should we arrive there. And people just stopped listening. They just stopped giving attention to it. There, there was a purpose at each flight. There was a purpose to their warning. And if that plane would have been in an emergency situation, I don't know that I could have responded properly because I wasn't paying close attention. Listen to this. At that point, the consequence is not on them. The consequence is on me. When I've stopped listening to the truth that is before me, God warned his people. God warned Israel through the prophets. And God warns us through his preachers, through his word, through his son and the spirit of God of a coming judgment and conviction of sin. And when we stand before God, it will be without excuse. The spirit of God, the Bible says, will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. And he does that so that we will turn and repent and go back and follow his ways as we know we should. And thank God for his discipline. Thank God for his warning. Thank God for him getting on to us for his judgment is just. But judgment would not be the end. Amen? Judgment would not be the end. It's not God's desire for Israel to perish. The scripture says it is not God's desire that any should perish. Yes, Israel lost its land. You need to know that. Yes, the people of God were exiled. They were taken over by barbaric cultures. But Micah teaches us that a remnant of people, there in Micah, a remnant of people would be spared and they would return to Jerusalem once again in the future. Why? Why? What keeps the door of God's heart open for people? He's faithful. God is faithful to keep his promises. Even when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. God promised that Israel would be a source of blessing to the world. That was the promise of God. That, that Israel, through Israel would come Jesus and Jesus would be a blessing to all of those around the world that would receive him. Micah 4 speaks of the reign of Jesus on earth that is to be for the future the future ahead and Jerusalem will be raised up. And the Bible says in chapter four, verses one and two, people from all over the world will stream there to worship. That's why you need to invite people that don't look like you to church because they all gonna be there, those who believe in the end. People from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, let's, get, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. This is, this is prophecy that is coming and it is prophecy of fulfilled promise to the world that they would be blessed and they would worship God forever and live under his earthly reign for that time. And the people of Israel would introduce Jesus to the world, not because they were faithful, but because he is. You and I didn't hear the gospel because God's people in the Old Testament were faithful. We heard the gospel because God is faithful because of his love that persists even through 
the faults of his people. You see, Israel was incapable of overcoming immorality. They could not do it. As many times as God gave them chances, they could not overcome their immorality. And because the world is incapable of overcoming immorality, because we find ourselves in the same situation, don't we? We cannot, in all of our best efforts, do right by God apart from God. And so God's plan was and is for the world pardon. Man, that's a good word. Pardon. Micah chapter seven, verses 18 through 20. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Verse 19, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Verse 20, you will show us unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob long ago. Did you notice that? As you promised long ago. Israel would need more than a whipping. They had persisted through the ages with rebellion. They were then who we are now. We are people who are bound by a sinful nature to be selfish and ungodly. And what they needed is what you and I need. We need the pardon of God. But you must understand, to issue a pardon without punishment is unjust. One more time. To issue a pardon without punishment is unjust. Here we go. The cross of Jesus Christ is where God's justice and God's love come together. The cross of Jesus is where it all comes together. We are pardoned of sin, not because God had a different feeling, but because God is faithful to keep his promise. The scripture says that there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood, and the blood of animals in the Old Testament only went so far. God saves through the system of sacrifice and therefore God who loves the world gave of himself and sent his one and only son to die a sacrificial death and his blood flowed where ours should have flowed. The blood of Jesus covers our sin. It was shed for us. And Jesus, the son of God, according to what the scripture says here in Micah, was trampled under the feet of God the Father for our sake, y'all. And when one who is in sin turns from their sin and turns to God by faith in Jesus, the Son of God and his life, death, and resurrection, when we place our faith, our trust, our confiding belief that he is the way to be right with God and not us and the things that we do, when we trust in Jesus, we will, according to the word of God, be pardoned because of the payment of Jesus. That's the good news, preach it to yourself. Our problem is the same, it's sin. And God's plan of judgment for sin is sacrifice, but we are pardoned by that same sacrifice. If you remain in sin, listen to me, as I stood there in Alaska and we got the opportunity, the pleasure to preach, the privilege to preach to their folks on Sunday morning and to preach to a group of married couples on Friday evening. The first thing we did was lay a foundation for marriage. And one of the first things we did was preach the gospel. I told them, I don't know y'all. I'm assuming all of y'all are lost. 
So on Sunday morning with a group this size, I do the same thing. I preach the gospel often because that's where the power of God is. And we preach the cross and the truth about sin and heaven and hell and separation and pardon because I will not assume that every single one of y'all are saved, sealed, and ready to go to heaven. If you are in here today and you think to yourself, I know that I need to hear this, I need to be saved, everybody bow your head and close your eyes with me right now in a holy moment. Why don't you just call upon the name of the Lord to be saved right now? Right now. The best way you know how, with a desire to turn from sin, call on God to save you. Trusting in Jesus and his work, call on God to save you right now. From your heart to God's heart, For those of you that are saved, been praying for people that are not, here or not here. For those of you that are saved, remember the time when you prayed this prayer, when you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And I remember, I remember calling upon God that night in my bedroom at 11 years old to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I want you to look in Micah, that very last verse. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to your ancestors, Abraham and Jacob, long ago. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. As you are standing to your feet, really the, the invitation is one of three things today. If you are right with God, saved of God, you are agreeing with everything in here with your heart and mind, why don't we worship God before we leave here today? And for some of you that may be thinking to yourself, I want to worship God, but there's something going on in my heart because I'm a guilty distance from God. Go on and agree with God for what he already knows. Confess and forsake your sin. Let there be a returning to God is the name of our series. Let there be a returning to God today at this day that you will turn and go in his direction so you will spare, spare yourself from further judgment. And for those of you that would say today, if I'm honest, I need to be saved. I need to be saved today. And I want somebody to know it so I can help, they can help me take next steps. Two things you can do. You can walk this aisle right here. Nobody's gonna make a scene out of you. We're not trying to embarrass you for anything in the world. We just want to help you. We have decision counselors. We have pastors here. All you've got to say is, I need to be saved. That's it. Or all you've got to say is, I have prayed for God to save me today. We can help you from there. Say, I love you and I appreciate that. I'm not coming to see you today. Then you can catch me right out there. Any one of our pastors, you can call us. You can fill out that card in your bulletin. You can say, I need to be saved. I want to talk with someone. We, can, we want to help you and walk you through that. Amen. Lord, we are here and we're here because of you. And Lord, for that blessed time in the future where we will be with you forever and ever, God is because of you. And so Lord, we give you glory today. Lord, if, if there be any in here today that are going to heaven, may we lift our voice in praise and worship before we leave here. 
But Lord, if you are dealing with us and we need to lift our voice to someone who can help us take a next step, God, may that be the prayer of our heart today. God, that may that be the confession of our mouth. Lord, would you lead us individually, personally, through this time of invitation together as a church, but individually as well. Lord, for those that need to take a next step of faith and be baptized to join the church, God, would you give them a shot of faith that they need right now to take that step? Lord, we thank you, Father, for what you are doing in our church, what you're doing in our community. We pray, God, you continue to use us for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you. We have people here to help you.